Say what? Hello and welcome back. It's time for Say What, where we hear from those connected to our industry about what's going on in the world of electrical apprenticeship. And this includes topics that you have suggested to us, so please keep those coming. I'm your host, Cindy Sanderfer, and I'm joined by Todd Stafford, the Executive Director of the Electrical Training Alliance. Get ready, because today we are speaking with a few phenomenal women from our industry. We are excited to welcome Deborah, Karen, Letitia, and Tina. Welcome, ladies. We are so excited to have you here with us. And if you will, let's let everyone know who you are and where you are from. So Letitia, joining us in studio, will you start off? I would be happy to. I'm Letitia Fedora. I'm a member of Local 5 for 31 years. I'm an instructor at our JATC, and I currently um, run a program called What Works For Me that is available to the apprentices. Awesome. That's a podcast as well, correct? It is a podcast. <laughs> nice. We have a professional on set. Um, all right. Let's see. Karen. Hello. I am Karen King. I'm the training director in Tucson, Arizona. I am on my 15th year and um, loving it. Nice. And we are loving having you, Miss Tina. Um, hi, I am Tina Williams. I am the training director in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I am going on eight years. Excellent. And last but certainly not least, Deborah. Yeah, my name's Deborah Kelly. I am the training director for the Alaska Joint Apprenticeship. And I am a journeyman lineman and a product of this apprenticeship program. So I'm so glad to be here. I am in this position for two years, but I do have some experience in safety and with state government prior to that in between my line career and doing this. That is incredible. Well, again, thank you all so much for being here. You may have touched on it a little bit, but I'm curious how everyone got involved in the industry. So I'm gonna head back to Letitia for that. Okay. Um, I actually had an optical career before I joined the apprenticeship and realized that it was a female dominated business, but there was no place for women really to advance because it was all run by, by men in the upper echelon. So I saw an ad in the newspaper for the apprenticeship, crazy enough, and kicked myself for a year for not applying. And the following year, watched for the ad, and when the ad came out, I applied, and I was 29, and the cutoff date was, the, I was 28, and the cutoff was 29. So it was my only chance to get in. Wow. And the rest is history. The rest is history. Wow. All right, Tina, how about you? Um, I actually have a manufacturing background. Um, I spent 20 plus years in heavy duty manufacturing. Uh, uh, started in human resources, worked my way up and worked out in the plant on the floor, um, went into materials management, then customer, and then eventually was running um, several plants at one time. Uh, one of the, uh, an acquaintance that I knew was work that actually sat on the committee. Um, they were in between training directors and uh, no one was watching the apprenticeship, if you will. No one was turning in uh, or making sure the OJTs got entered or the sign-in sheet. So I volunteered to help them to, at least for the benefit of the apprentices, to make sure the information is kept up to date. Um, and the opportunity came so that I could apply and I applied and after a three hour interview, cause I didn't come from the industry, they offered me the job and I've been here ever since and, and absolutely love it. So you are like the example of the person who volunteers information or asks, Hey, you know, what about this? And then they're like, okay, and you're hired. Then you That's right. <laughs> you're doing the data entry. You're hired. <laughs> best thing in the world is take somebody off for a new idea. Okay, you're good. Yep. Make a new idea yep. happen. It's good. I've learned not to speak when Todd <laughs> is looking for uh, new ideas. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Deborah, how about you? Um, I got in the industry out of high school, actually. I knew I wanted to get into a trade. And uh, in Alaska, we've got this outreach organization that puts out a spreadsheet, basically, of all the different trades and their rates of pay. So I just looked through there, 
saw the one that looked the most interesting to me. And I, I took a high school CTE class in uh, electricity. And then I applied for and was accepted into our telecommunications apprenticeship, which is a whole nother story. It's a very interesting apprenticeship. I thought I'd be doing indoor cabling and, and computer networking. And I did for a little while. But then they sent me out on a telecom line job where I was climbing poles and pulling wire and digging ditches. And I just fell in love with that aspect of the work and realized that, you know, uh, line work was open to me. So I reapplied and started over as a line apprentice. That is so great. Like, I love the, the way your story plays out. Are you originally from Alaska? Yeah, born and raised. Born and raised. Nice. And we decided that we're going to come visit, right? We're going to do a podcast from Alaska. July. This is just yeah. trying July. to get there. So I'm uh, July, yeah. <laughs> you know, just trying to work this in. Oh, my gosh. Karen. Well, my story is a little different. Um, I started out working at the school district, um, started out substitute teaching, and my degrees in uh, business, human resources. So got a job in human resources. I worked for the superintendent, did a lot of uh, staff development and uh, just met some people in the industry and they were desperately looking for a training director. And so they sent me this list of um, qualifications. There must've been 60 of them starting from answering the phone to everything you could think of down to uh, running a program. So I thought, you know, I, I kind of have all those that you've listed. So I applied. I really didn't know a lot about apprenticeship. You know, in school districts, everything's college. Um, they push for college or the military. They don't really push for apprenticeship programs. So um, I was given an, an inside agreement to kind of figure out what the program was all about. And I was like, oh, my God, I had to read the section on apprenticeship. So I went in <laughs> for the interview and I interviewed, you know, with the whole committee, which, as you know, is pretty intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> Walk in the room and there's eight people. And before that, I thought, I don't really know a lot about the program. So I'm going to go on the NJTC website and I'm going to make a brochure. So I had one of the young teachers. I asked him if I could take a picture of him. He put a hard hat on and he was holding one of the meters. And I put him on the front of my brochure. And when they said, what do you know about the program? I passed out my brochure and on the bot bottom of it, I had training, Karen King training director. <laughs> so then pretty much got, the, I think I got the job on the brochure. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and, and honestly, when I got the job, uh, the program was pretty broken. Um, they were trying to split uh, the NECA director was also the training director. So he did both. Uh, they were trying to grow, and it was really conflicted with the committee uh, trying to separate. And uh, so I came in really kind of as a neutral party. I wasn't IBW. I was not NECA. So I think I was a good balance for them coming in and just uh, trying to get the job done instead of having anyone. I knew no one. Mm -hmm. So I was so neutral. And it actually it worked for both sides, and uh, it was a little difficult in the beginning, but the more I um, kind of straighten things out and organize things, uh, I just gained respect on both sides. So that's where I came from. I came from education and business, which really the two of them is really what um, this position is, you guys know, is, is both. Yep. And I was wondering, uh, Karen, out of the 60 things on that list that you were supposed <laughs> to be able to know how to do, how many of them did you actually use and how many new ones have you added since then? Exactly. And now they're all a little more combined. It's not like answering the phone, filing. It's all the, it was yeah, administrative. Unbelievable. Administrative, right, right. Put it all yes, there. exactly. They put everything that you could possibly do yeah. on the list. I'm just anxious for the list. Exactly. I haven't, I've never seen a list with the training director. I'm just kind of curious about that. I've never seen I'm going to send it good. to you. you <laughs> we'll make you one. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's so... I enjoy listening to all of your stories because it's different backgrounds, different situations, um, and yet these strong female leads in our industry. And I think that's such an important piece to who we are, um, is knowing that we don't all have to come from the same experience mm -hmm. to come in, fall in love with the industry, and make such a outstanding difference. Um, so best, what do you like best? What's um, 
what is, is, I guess, your most enjoyable experience in the industry? Ah, let's see. I feel like I'm drawing names from a hat. I'm coming to you, Tina. <laughs> you um, I think what I like the most is uh, the day-to-day challenge, not just simply by not coming from the industry, uh, building those partnerships, not only with the instructors, but with my peers, with um, my contractors, with our local union, um, developing all those relationships to make the program better. Um, I think that that's probably my favorite part of the program or favorite part of the position um, and, and constantly learning. There's, I mean, yes, there's some day-to-day stuff. The same thing happens every day, um, but it's, there's all, I'm learning something new, uh, keeping an open mind um, that I may not be the all, the all that knows it all kind of thing. Um, it's nice that, um, a lot of my local, um, um, especially out of maybe out of the Carolinas and, uh, Virginia's 10th district, maybe I get calls from the training directors that says, Hey, how would you handle this? I love being a mentor and, uh, troubleshooting issues, um, or opportunities, if you will, with, uh, my peers. So I, I continually, I have to have a challenge. I got to continue to be a challenge. Um, and I think that's, that's my favorite part. And I think that the benefit of not coming from the industry, everything is new. There's something different, uh, and not to mention all the HR challenges that go along with this position. (laughs) And on that one, we all take a pause and laugh. (laughs) The camaraderie you mentioned, you know, just having that, um, having each other, that's one thing I know we we say is so important that there's wheels that don't need to be reinvented. There's things you can right. do to support and assist. And that's that's such a great thing to have. And the fresh voice, the fresh voice that doesn't have the experience of how we used to do things or how so the previous right. administration did things is the fresh voice is what we often need sometimes, which is good. Absolutely. And there's hey, also a time and place for that history, right? You you know, um, some of the history, uh, having some of our senior um, training directors, you know, they've had that experience, right? But what works in the Carolinas may not work in Alaska or or Arizona or anywhere out west. So Mm -hmm. having that pool to pull from, it's just, it's invaluable. Mm. Yeah, making something your own, taking taking from everyone, every source possible. I think that's so, it's beneficial Mm -hmm. to everyone and certainly to our industry. Karen, how about you? I would say, you know, when I first started, uh, I sat in my first committee meeting and um, and there was probably 10 apprentices that needed to see the committee. And out of the 10, eight of them had food poisoning. And it was like, here we were sitting listening to all of this stuff about food poisoning. And I just realized early on that you know, let's recognize the people who are doing the right thing, who are not. Uh, so, so that was my whole thing was at the end of the year, uh, I'm going to have uh, an awards assembly kind of a thing that they have in usually in high school and grade school. So uh, recognizing top apprentices. So I got the supply house to come down. I did a big barbecue. We went to the union hall and I put together a PowerPoint and I put down all the people who got 90% or better and recognize them. And then I recognize the graduating apprentices at this end of the year thing. And then I put together, this was the beginning, I put together a video. Well, in the beginning, the very first one, they were, they felt really like, really, we have to go to this. They were almost mad. And so then I put the video together and I showed what the first year was doing, second year, third year, fourth year, fifth year. And then after that, they, started after that year they started providing me with pictures so it was like people like to be recognized for high achievers or working out in the field and all these fun things so that's probably um what i like the best and of course the graduation um love the graduation just recognizing apprentices and seeing how proud they are and i think what i brought to the table was you don't see this kind of a program anywhere where it's paid for. Uh, they go out to work and they make a really good living and all the supply houses that are just so helpful. And, uh, and they attend all my stuff because 
I recognize them too. Everybody likes to be recognized. So I think that's probably what I like the best is just recognize, recognizing high achievers and um, recognizing everyone that's in the program because it is privilege. So that's my best thing. That's excellent. Yeah. You know, the statement, praise what you want repeated. And it sounds like you were certainly doing that. And this idea that we all do, we all need encouragement. We all need to be recognized. Um, some people like it more private, some want it more public, but I think finding that and understanding that about people is, I mean, it's huge because we all get discouraged. You know, we get used to things. Tina talked about that kind of the same thing day in, day out. So it's, it's nice for to realize people see your hard work and your efforts. There's nothing wrong with rewarding success. So Absolutely. reward success and you always succeed. And give people a reputation to live up to. <laughs> also a great right. thing to do as well. Uh, let's see, Deborah, how about you? Well, I think in the electrical industry, one thing that's kind of unique about this industry compared to some others is that everybody in this industry from the contractors, the journey workers, the apprentices, the union, uh, everybody is passionate about it and wants to be here. I don't see that level of passion as much outside. And I think it's awesome. Um, you have a lot of people who are passionate and also not afraid to say their opinions. And that's very refreshing. It's great to go and have a spirited discussion and hear different opinions and be able to meld those together and move forward together. Even if sometimes the discussions are contentious, there's still a mutual respect and engagement in moving the trade forward. And I think that is so cool and so unique. Um, it's been great to be in the middle of it, sometimes literally as training director, right? Because you're oftentimes the, this pivot point between NECA and IBW or between an apprentice and employer or an apprentice and another apprentice, right? So it's, it's really awesome to get to see that play out every day. That and being there for these formative moments in people's lives, um, knowing that you're influencing them, that you're there with them when they come into this new career as they learn, as they face challenges, as they, you know, sometimes fall short, get back up again and learn to succeed is it's really a privilege to be there with all these apprentices as they go through that. Being a part of someone's journey. I think that's, it's so incredible. Yeah. And I know you all see it just the way, whether as an instructor or as a training director, just to see how people evolve and how they change and they grow. And you watch the person that may have struggled so much in the beginning. Now they're helping someone else at the end, or they had, you know, they were doing excellent on the job. And when they graduate, they've got all these things in store for them and you've watched them grow. And that's, yeah, I think that's rewarding for sure. Even the tough stuff, as Deborah talked about, you, you learn so much about yourself and about, you know, the industry um, and the love people have for it. I agree, man, it is, it's passionate. It's nice to see that. It's, it's exciting it to is. watch somebody grow as you describe, but also from a selfish point of view, we can identify the future instructors and training directors we need as well. Mm -hmm. so good, yeah. good, good place to look. Absolutely. Well, the other thing is, is you need those opportunities uh, because there are so many, um, we had, we have a handful of them here that are not grateful, right? They have that entitlement. So um, they're, they're a handful, right? So it's nice to recognize the other 90% that really appreciate where they are and what opportunity they have. So good point, Deborah. Mm -hmm. For sure. Letitia, how about you? Um, I love the change and it's really covers, change covers a lot of things. Um, change, when I started, I was a single parent, so my children benefit from me going into a career that provided me with good resources, uh, a living wage, and, and good work. Um, I think it changed my children's outlook, I have two daughters and a son, about what women can do. Um, I think as an instructor, it's the change that I bring to the apprentices every day in their lives and their careers, and I think also um, the change in me personally, because I had to learn to really apply myself in ways that I hadn't before to c help carry people and bring them up. But even in, in working in the field, I think you're always changing people's lives to make them better. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that I really think was, was a, a part that I enjoyed was in the field is um, the change that you can make in how people see women in the field. Mm -hmm because I had a lot of men that did not want to work with me. And I had the foreman come up to me one time and say, you know, 
he really didn't want to work with you in the beginning, and he adores you. And this gentleman still, we have an annual picnic, and every year at the picnic, even to this day, will come up and give me a hug and talk to me. So, you know, just making a difference in people's lives by letting them see what, what changes can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I'm feeling all inspired like, listening <laughs> to you all. Um, so let's talk about challenges because it's not easy, whether it's um, because you are a woman in, in the industry. And we know things are changing. We understand that there's a huge push from the IBW, NECA, and, and us um, to see diversity, equity, and inclusion as a, a, a major factor, um, forefront of our industry. But it's still, we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. um, and so looking at being both a woman in the industry and for some um, not from the industry, if you will, uh, as some would call it. I'm not going to call it that, but that's what, what could be said. What are the challenges you faced um, in being there? Karen, I'm going to come back to you. Well, um, when I first started, uh, there was just a few women, really. Um, I went to NTI and there was probably, I'm thinking, isn't there about 2,000 people that attend? Just close um, to that. Out of the 2,000 people, there was about 72 women. And out of the 72 women, only five were training directors. So the, there was a very small pool of training directors um, back 15 years ago. So I think the biggest challenge for me was um, the establishing credibility, um, letting people know that I wasn't just going to be here a year. I was in it and um, passionate about this trade and everything that they did. So I think um, that was a bit of a challenge uh, going in front of people who were going through the program, and especially even that first time at NTI with all the females. I felt like I had to get, get some credibility from them because most everyone were wiremen. They had gone through the program passionate about the trade. I'm going to guess that there was out of the five, there were three that were, that went through the program. And there was just two of us that um, were non-traditional training directors. So I wanted to get their respect also. And I wanted them to know that, you know, I just didn't come in here and I didn't go the same path, but I was willing to put in the work. So um, that was probably my biggest challenge. Makes sense. And it came around really at first. I don't think I got the respect from the women. It, it was, um, mm -hmm. it took me a few years. I think um, they saw me as just a fly by night. She's going to be here, but she's going to be gone within the next couple of years. So, so I, um, I did get the respect from, from females and that was, that was good for me. I wanted it. Yeah. And you certainly have earned it. We know, I think yeah. we would all agree with that. Um, Deborah, what about you? Well, first of all, uh, Karen, I, I feel bad to hear that that happened to you because I feel like being a, a woman in a trade to begin with, we have to go and prove ourselves all over again every time you go to a new group of people. So I'm sorry to hear that sometimes we turn around and do the same thing to other people and, and we shouldn't. We should know better than that and uh, realize that people bring things to the table no matter where they come from. I mean... I just remember uh, Rick Height, retired Knight District IBW rep uh, at an outreach event saying there's no correct path towards getting into the, to a trade. And that's the same thing for a training director. There's no right path. There's no best path. Um, electricity takes all paths. So do people, you know, and that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> we, we all get to the, uh, to the end and bring our own skills and experience. And that's what makes this industry awesome. Um, as far as challenges for me in my current position, I don't necessarily feel like I have specific challenges being a woman in this position because I'm at home here. I've been in this industry working with these people for many years. I have a reputation. I have established that and I felt nothing but welcome and respect from both the NECA and the IBEW side of the house. Um, as far as challenges uh, with, with some of the women and not other underrepresented groups in my trade is, is, you know, how do I support them? And how do I support them through their journey, knowing sometimes firsthand what they're going through and knowing some of the personalities involved 
that they're dealing with out on the job. Um, most of my challenges were uh, many years ago and, and facing those and, and getting through them successfully has helped me establish a reputation that, you know, don't mess with Deb. So nobody. <laughs> I love that. That is the slogan for this entire episode. I wish they still do, but it's, it's in good, good fun. Yeah, but it's not real. Messing they, they, do, they know now the outcome they're going to get when they start. So that's, good. that's it. You know, Deb, I love that. The challenge mm -hmm. of not for not forgetting, right. like don't forget what it was like, where you came from so mm -hmm. that you can be that support knowing that not everyone is experiencing the, the welcome and the comfort that you have now. Uh, Tina, how about you? Uh, yeah, so mine was uh, similar to Karen's, obviously not coming from the trade. Um, however, uh, coming from a manufacturing, um, heavy duty truck manufacturing, uh, and each of the, well, the couple companies I worked for, there were, um, we never had any female that were in management. So um, I had to overcome uh, being the only female in a company um, and then eventually in management uh, pretty much my entire life. So uh, I was talking to my husband a couple of days ago and I said, hey, I got a question here is how I, you know, what challenges have I faced? And I immediately said, I already knew what I was getting into. I knew that uh, it was... Um, you know, mainly a male dominant industry. And um, he says, you've lost your mind. <laughs> he said, when you came in, we literally only had one female in our, in our whole membership. Uh, we had, and we had no, no females in our apprenticeship. Uh, one, one has had come through, but didn't finish. And um, I unconsciously started recruiting females right out of the gate just because that's what I've always done. So it was like second nature to me. So I, mine is more, my challenge has been more of uh, because I didn't come from the industry and everybody around me, my instructors, my committee, everybody came from the industry. And to Karen's point, I mean, we had to sit through a three hour interview uh, and present a PowerPoint or a project. They give you a project and you had to do, and how would you do this? Mine was, if you remember, Todd, it was um, implementing craft certification. And I had to bring, it was a five-year program at the time. And they said, how are you going to bring all years current by the end of the year? So I started in May and I had to bring all the apprentices current and craft certification, uh, you know, within seven months. So the challenge has been earning the right to be heard because I didn't come from the industry and using my, my business degree and my management experience to grow the program. And um, you guys have probably heard this plenty of times, but uh, I learned from a mentor early on, there is a right seat on the bus for everybody. So there's a right seat on my bus for an instructor, for an apprentice, for a committee member, whatever the case may be, and trying to move them around on that seat uh, so that everybody's in the right spot. So it was the hardest thing was earning the right to be heard in the industry and knowing that I am propelling the program forward and to get that momentum behind me. So um, I think it was not necessarily being a woman. I think it was more of uh, uh, because we are a small local. I think we had 500 members at that point. I think we have about 750 now. Um, I think it was more of trying to get the buy-in that what I'm doing is really good here. And I'm doing it for the benefit of the apprenticeship and the, and the industry and helping our membership and our contractors. I didn't have an ulterior motive or an uh, alternative agenda coming into this position. Right. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, it's not like you can just say one word and people know, yes. you know that here's my buy-in here. Here's my intentions you know, a lot of that has to be shown. And so you can certainly feel an enormous weight um, yep. in doing that. And, and the pressures of knowing how much people love this industry. I think Deb was the one who mentioned it, the passion that you feel from people um, who are here, whether they're first generation or, you know, so many have, have come before them in their family and, and you want to do justice. Right. To that. Um, uh, and the passion for the industry is key because 
we often enough understand that people don't know what apprenticeship is outside of our industry or the building trades in general. So therefore, you got to defeat that and show how you come from the outside. And you, you defeated that, you know, doubt about you by being able to show you did understand apprenticeship. And heck, I was impressed with the project you had done to complete as well. I do remember that well, Tina. That was an outstanding <laughs> job. So not a word with anybody. Complete that. <laughs> We'd like to have a copy of that, please, Tina. Okay. <laughs> Along with the 60-point uh, yeah. list from here. <laughs> and then just don't mess with Deb and Letitia. Let's find out yes. here about your challenges. I think it, it was being taken seriously as a woman in the field. Um, you know, it's funny because I think men, just by how they have always worked, don't always believe that a woman has a better idea, whether it's on the job, whether it's in the classroom, um, whether it's, you know, I stayed very involved in my local. I was at every union meeting for years. And, you know, one of my, using my voice, I was like, you really need to bring a woman into an office in the local. And I, I preached that for years. And then, of course, they asked me, you know, same thing, don't bring it up if you don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, but yes, it's, it's trying to get people to take you seriously and understand that, you know, you're five foot one, but you can do the job. Um, and I went through a pregnant, two pregnancies on the job in the field. And that was even a bigger struggle because guys wanted to, and it was not chauvinist. They didn't want to see me carrying things because I was pregnant. And that's what they would do for their wives, you know? And I finally had to stop one guy and say, you know what? When your wife was pregnant with your second child and she went to the grocery store and the baby fell asleep in the car, who brought the baby and the groceries in? He goes, my wife did. I said, yeah, I'm perfectly capable mm -hmm. of carrying what I have in my hands. Mm -hmm. I appreciate it, but to, I think it's always trying to understand where the other person is coming from and meeting them and understanding them so that you can get them to understand you. So I really did have to change how I solved problems because I had to put it in a way that men would understand it. Right. And you bring good up luck, such a good great... luck with that one, right? Well, that that instance <laughs> worked really one, well. Right? Well, there's some things you just can't fix. <laughs> but but um, just kidding, just kidding. Uh, there but, are some men in the studio, so I'm not trying to be too <laughs> offensive here. Uh, but I think you you know something that's interesting about what you said is this idea of not everybody is ill-intended it's not right. you know oh i don't want you here i mean that happens we know that right i don't want you here because you're a woman i don't want you here because you're new to the industry sometimes it is genuine concern right. or wanting to be helpful and so finding that balance i would suggest as as the woman in the industry the person who didn't go through the apprenticeship and you know didn't grow up in this is okay just you know I, finding those boundaries i don't want to seem aggressive i don't want to seem ungrateful you know, but being able to find your footing, I think, is obviously something the four of you have done fabulously, but it's certainly not been easy, I would say. Uh, well, and I think, you know, the obvious problem in the industry, in, in any industry, really, is harassment and, and diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And that shows up when you're the first person laid off and the guy that comes in at 930 is still working. You know, it, it, there's a lot of ways that that still plays out. But I think when you get to the point that you understand that there's only so much in the realm that you can change, it really does make you stronger because you just accept that this is what's happening and I can only change the things that are in front of me that I can affect. Mm -hmm. you know? And I think every day we make more changes and we're getting to a point now that we're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And 31 years ago, we weren't talking about that. So I think that's all coming together. It just took time. But if those small steps hadn't been taken, we wouldn't be where we are now. Absolutely. Very well said. I can't say anything to that. Um, so what woman in your life, um, doesn't have to be someone you know, and doesn't have to be someone from the industry, but has influenced or encouraged you? Deborah? Um, well, that's a, that's a challenge. I mean, one woman that had a big influence on my career, uh, I never met because she had died about 20 years before I even got into the trade, 30 years actually. And she was, as far as I know, the only other woman to become a uh, journey level line worker in Alaska. 
um, if through this apprenticeship program. Uh, she was uh, well-respected in the trade. And as a result, some of the older men that I worked with were willing to give me a chance because they said, you know, we worked with Laura. Her name is Laura Schimmel. We, I worked with Laura and she could do it. So I know you can do it. And they just, I didn't have to prove myself nearly as much to those men who had worked with Laura. And so kind of her shadow, she cast a wide shadow over the industry for many years after her death. And I, I just hope that I can do the same as she did for the people who follow in my footsteps. Um, in addition to that, I, there's a more general appreciation I have for the other women in my trade on the West Coast, especially. Uh, as soon as I found out that there were other women in the trade, which wasn't until very late in my apprenticeship, um, I, I hooked up with them. They welcomed me. I mean, we went down to Oregon and about 10 of us spent the weekend having a good time together and, and enjoying each other's company. And it was just, it meant the whole world to me. And so for those women who were willing to, to bring me into the fold and welcome me, it made a huge difference to not feel alone. That, that's, yeah, that support, knowing you're not alone, I think that's huge in anything we do, really, but particularly as we're talking about being women in the trade. Tina, how about you? Um, well, mine's probably going to be more focused on the trade because, um, as I stated earlier, my mentors were all males. Um, you know, vice president, CEOs of companies. And that's probably why I'm pretty rigid and straightened to the point is because I've been, um, I've been molded that way. But I have to say, um, I, I don't think I could have made it. Um, I, I obviously we get most of our work ethics from our parents, right? Um, but I don't think if it wasn't for the women that are on this call, um, I'm going to mention a couple others that have recently retired. If it wasn't for Janet Skipper, if it wasn't for Kathleen Barber, they, they ha all have different personalities, uh, come from, from the trade, um, just learning and, and taking the great pieces of every one of you to, to mold me who I am today and become resilient in the industry. So I have to give kudos to every female that's in the industry. Yes, there are males in, the indus in this industry that has given me great advice, uh, but listening to all the female stories, whether they're training directors or linemen um, or inside journeyman wiremen, their struggles, what's worked for them, what hasn't worked, how they've had to handle uh, challenges in their life. Those are the ones that have uh, basically encouraged me to be the best training director that I can be. Powerful. That is really powerful. Karen? I would say, uh, kind of piggybacking on what Tina said, same people, uh, Kathleen Barber, uh, Janet Skipper. Janet Skipper actually was really the first person female that I really met at NTI and she came up and was so welcoming um, and has been the whole time. You can call her up and she helps you with it, anything and everything. Um, but I got to say that the person who was probably the most um, that really um, was encouraging me to take this job and stay with the job and, you know, was Cindy Flowers and she's our NECA executive director and she came, uh, she actually became the NECA person five years after I was training director. And um, we, her and I worked so well together. And, um, and she also had her challenges coming in into this industry. But um, yeah, I think, you know, women, uh, they encourage each other. Uh, it's so do the men. I mean, I've had a lot of uh, male training directors that I still call and ask, you know, Jim Sullivan, I, I'll text him. I don't even know where he is in the country, but he takes my phone call and he walks me through something and he remembers the standards. He's like the standards guru. So there's, um, I would say both sides, but um, a lot of really encouraging females and, and probably Janet Skipper's number one. But Tina, I'm always, <laughs> I, she's the same way. She just got back from a cruise and she uh, answered my text messages about um, the EVITP. So, right. so I think um, there's a lot of very supportive people out there. 
Totally agree with that, Karen. Yeah. Completely agree. Letitia? So um, in the field, in my local, we did not have a lot of women when I got into the trade. But I would have to say that the woman that influenced me was six years old at the time because it was my daughter. And as a single mother, I really had a lot of responsibility with her. But she was going into first grade when I started my apprenticeship. So we would always sit down to do homework, and we would laugh that we were both in first grade. And so that went on for five years. And it was always just inspiring to sit with her and do homework and know that we were both working to get better at what we needed to get better at. So, and she's an amazing person. I love her to death. She's homeschooling her kids now. And I really do give her the credit for helping me through the apprenticeship. And you bring up such an important point that, you know, inspiration doesn't always have to be from someone older than us, more experienced than us. Sometimes, you know, we shouldn't always just be looking in that direction, that there's people all around us, certainly those younger, less mm -hmm. experienced that can drive us and teach us so much. Um, so we, we've mentioned paving the way and, and those um, things that we can do to cast shadows. Deb talked about what, you know, what we can do and say to the women that are yet to come in the industry or just now coming in. So what would you say, each of you, to um, encourage a woman that is considering coming into our industry? Karen? I would say don't be afraid. Um, what a wonderful career it is, uh, whether you're in the apprenticeship program or you become um, training director, that uh, this industry needs uh, women. And women are really good at organizing and making phone calls and not afraid to talk to people. And I, I think the more females that we can get into this industry, it's just going to balance everything out and it's just going to be great. I would say don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I like it. Tina. Always be open to learning something new. Uh, stand strong to uh, your conviction. Understand, uh, uh, I guess, know your audience. Uh, make sure you understand um, everybody that's in the room. Uh, and, um, you know, remember your work ethic. Don't compromise your morals. And it doesn't matter if they're starting the apprenticeship or they're going to transition onto an instructor or uh, a training director or even any role in with one of our contractors. Uh, not take it personally um, and hold and hold your audience accountable. Absolutely, Deb. Well, you know, I struggle with this sometimes because I, I think Letitia touched on it earlier, some of the challenges that women face in the trade with the harassment and, and even the benevolent discrimination that holds them back from learning their trade. And, and so when I go and, and do outreach, I'm challenged to, to be honest and also encouraging. And so, you know, when I, when I talk to women, I say, you know, you're, you're looking at getting the best job in the world, whether you come into our inside wireman telecommunications or, or line apprenticeship. Um, these are the best jobs in the world. They're so much fun and so satisfying, but you have to be the kind of person that enjoys a challenge, that looks forward to it. You've got that fire that never goes out and uh, give them hell. Mm -hmm. that. Amen. <laughs> that one right there, uh, Letitia. Um, so I think for women, this is the, really the best time for them to be starting a career in the field. Um, when I got in, you know, I had a special order boots. The FR clothing didn't fit. They didn't make tools for hands the size of mine. So just those commonplace things have been made easier. But I also think that with social media now, you can connect with women all over the country, and it makes it a lot easier to find somebody that can help you when you have a problem in the field or with you have a problem in your career. Um, women that can help you solve those problems, which was not available 31 years ago. Um, I also think that um, we're getting into a stage in the industry where low voltage systems are coming in more and more into the system and there's not as much heavy lifting as there was 30 years ago. And the tools are changing. So with the, the power tools that are changing and being made ergonomically correct and being made to do some of the heavier work, women really can be very successful in the field. And, 
you know, my boss laughs at me because I had foot surgery a couple years ago and I would Uber to work and I would try and recruit every Uber driver that was driving me, <laughs> that was driving me to work. And, and that's what I would tell them. This is an exciting time. And for a woman, this is the best time to get in the industry. And you, you, you will be passionate about it. You will become part of a family because I know, you know, as much happened bad in my career or that I didn't appreciate happening to me. I had men in my career that held me up when I had losses in my family, that held me up when I was struggling, that still to this day I can call and ask anything and they would do it for me. So I think, you know, as a woman you have to realize in any job you're going to have the people that don't like you or that harass you, mm -hmm. but you're also going to have the people on the other side that are there to hold you up. And, and it happens in the trades just as it does everywhere else. Absolutely. Yeah, it's happening everywhere. And the, the, the great thing is to know the commitment from the IBW, from NECA, from the Electrical Training Alliance towards seeing um, a, a better workplace for everybody. Right. You know, it's yeah. not just, it's for everybody. Um, and so being a part of that. And I, you know, as we were talking about Women's History Month and what would you do, you know, what, what topic would we come up with for a podcast? Well, it seemed pretty evident. Um, and I appreciate each of you. You know, we reached out, we asked, and it seemed like without hesitation, all of you said yes. You know, yes, that you wanted to be a part of that. And I think, you know, it goes to the, the not forgetting. You know, none of you have forgotten what it was like day one, coming in, sitting through three-hour interviews, feeling intimidated, looking at lists, being the only. Um, you, you've not forgotten that. You're giving back. You're paving the way. You know, you've talked about women that influenced you, and you've talked about even, you know, other people in the industry. And, and here you are doing that. Um, right now taking your time, because all of you are busy. You've all got things to do, and yet you found this important to speak about your experiences and, and who you are and what you're doing. And I'm thinking one day, you know, years down the road, there's going to be someone sitting around doing a video or a presentation or a podcast, and, and they're going to call your names as who influenced them, who inspired them, who encouraged them and mentored them and, and let them know they could do it. And so I just, I don't want you to forget that and to know your all's worth. You've complimented each other and, and we wanna make sure we do that for you that you know, you've been digging a well that women for years and years to come are gonna be able to drink from because of the hard work that you're putting in right now. And I know, I feel like I can speak for Todd, but I'll let him speak mm -hmm. for himself that we appreciate you and all that you do every day. Yeah, we more than appreciate you ladies here today and all this, hearing the success stories and what you've given us today about your past trials, successes, what you've been able to accomplish. How can someone listen to that and not be but excited for our industry? I mean, seeing what our future holds because of you is what I thank you for. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you thank all. You. Thank you both for having us here. Yeah. Yes. You're welcome. Okay, recording's done now. Say all the bad stuff that you no. wouldn't say. Now that we're off camera. So when I interviewed, speaking of sexual harassment, they said, what would you do um, about harassment? And I said, sexual harassment? And the business manager says, we don't have any of that here. <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> you're the first female. Yeah, we don't have any. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, my training director came in at our first class, um, at our, at our, in our first year class, and said that he wanted to teach sexual harassment. And I said, don't worry, they already know how. Yeah. <laughs> he did not find it amusing. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. I yeah, think, he, didn't, uh, he didn't think so. I was going to piggyback on what Letitia said as far as, uh, and, and Cindy, changing the future. I mean, I know that we, uh, hopefully we're making it better for everybody in the program. I know that having females on the job side is making everybody sensitive, right? But by doing this, the inclusion and the diversity awareness, it's making a better workplace for everyone. Exactly. We are graduating top-notch apprentices to be leaders in the field. And we don't want, you know, yes, it's a construction job, but that doesn't mean we can wear crude stuff on our shirts and talk bad language and say dirty jokes, be total unprofessional. We're, we're building those professionals. And um, I, I think, yes, we're females and here comes the 
uh, um, harsh side of me, but we're making it better for everyone. It's not just the females that are coming. Kudos to the females that make it and have paved the way for everyone. Mm-hmm. To your point, Deborah, but we're making it better for everybody out in the field. Yeah, and it's proven. I mean, there, there, there's data to prove that the more diverse. And not, you know, you're talking about gender, you're talking about race and yes. culture, you're talking about thoughts. The more yep. diverse thinking you have in a room, the better you come out. And so yep. it's it's essential. Ladies, we will not take up any more of your time today, but <laughs> thank, thank you. you. What a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you so much. Oh, thank you all. Thank wonderful. you, everyone. And yeah, next time we're in person, we can just continue all this chatting okay. somewhere at a table yeah, around some drinks. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be. <laughs> but I'm with Todd, Alaska, July. Hey, I was born in Alaska, so I definitely want in on that trip. Awesome. Time to plan. (laughs) We could take a cruise ship over. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'd love to cruise. Hey, it was good to see all of you. you, I'll fly. I'll meet you there. Oh, come on, Todd. (laughs) You guys get on a boat. I'll just meet you at the end. You'll pick us up when we get there. (laughs) All right, everybody. It was great to see you guys. Bye, Karen. Bye. Todd, that was a. Still kind of reeling and taking in everything that was said. What? Great, great conversations that were there. And as far as things, you got to look at it and admire for women who've accomplished what they have in our industry. Is first of all, I kind of mentioned it in the, while our, our ongoing talk with our, our women in the industry was just how much I admire them for what they were able to accomplish in the industry. Doing first of all, directly related to that is, is how can you not be excited about where we're going? Uh, how can you not hear that thought, Atlanta thought and way of thinking and progress they they've happened to meet in their respective jobs and success they've had how can you not get excited for our industry going forward right and as a woman in the industry um Mm -hmm. someone who grew up in it and have i Mm -hmm. I mean i feel like i owe this industry so much Mm -hmm. um you know for what it did for me much like letitia talked about her daughter i feel you know the same way toward it like watching what it can do and then growing up and then being a part mm-hmm. of it but never having gone through the apprenticeship never worked in the field um you know just hearing from them i can you know just totally relate right. to right. so just, much of what so they long said. as everyone doesn't forget the fact is you, you're laying additional pathways you had a pathway may have been laid for you but you're laying additional pathways mm-hmm. that makes it that much easier to walk later so just right. keep it up just keep it up absolutely Absolutely. The industry, we need all. (laughs) We need all to make us. Um, So don't be afraid. We took that. Mm -hmm. We heard that. We heard to always be open and make sure that we don't compromise and Mm -hmm. um, give them hell. (laughs) All the way through. Why not? Don't mess with Deb. Don't mess with Deb. Deb. Um, Well, thank you so much to our guests, Mm -hmm. uh, Deborah, Karen, Letitia, and Tina. And huge thanks to you, to the listeners. Thank you for taking time to join us. Um, remember that we want to hear from you. So if there are topics that you want us to cover, just send me an email, csandifer at electricaltrainingalliance.org. Our next episode will be in April, where we will be talking about NTI 2022. Until then, stay connected with us through our newsletters, our blog posts, and be sure to follow us on social media. Oh, and subscribe to this podcast and tell a colleague about it. Stay powered up, and we will see you next time. Say what?